LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. You're listening to the Five Leadership Questions Podcast. I'm your host, Todd Atkins. And today I am here with Kent Engle. He's the author of several books, um, including his newest book, which is Modern Guide to College. Uh, but several of his books you might be familiar with as leaders. Um, one is Framework Leadership. I think that's his, his last book before this one. And then the one that I was most familiar with is Nine Disciplines of Enduring Leadership. And, you know, a, a lot of leadership really boils down to um, really discipline uh, and doing things day after day. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about Kent and um, what he does. He, he is the president of Southeastern University. Uh, it's one of the fastest growing private universities in the nation, which is uh, connected to our good AG friends uh, who we've done a lot of work with from a LifeWay perspective. And uh, we're just, we're thankful to have you on today, Kent. Is there any more you want to tell us about yourself before we get started? Well, yeah, thank you for uh, the invitation. Always love to have a conversation about leadership and uh, how we can encourage and empower each other. Uh, yeah, uh, it's it's just an exciting, you know, privilege to serve uh, as a university president because you're on the front front row of of actually seeing generation of students that uh, uh, in our context God's raising up uh, and and who have you know an incredible passion to serve Christ, to serve the church, to serve the world in 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 so many unique callings, and to be able to see that passion and then to see how they're uh, kind of grabbing hold of of what God's put on their lives in terms of calling and 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 then begin to help equip them in that uh, our our actually our mission here at Southeastern we call it uh, coming alongside helping students to discover and develop their divine design so uh, I'm I'm having a, a a lot of fun as a university president just uh, hanging out with students and and doing just that and and seeing that take place in their lives so let me ask you a question before we get started uh, I think you would be uniquely positioned uh, to answer this and and that is how has you know, formal education, the the college experience and really learning at that level, how has that shifted? I mean, you know, you, you've written a book about a guide to college for both students and parents. Uh, and I can't, I mean, I have a 10-year-old, uh, 8-year-old, 7-year-old, and an 18-month-old. And we'll, we could talk about that another time. But sure. uh, well, the big thing is I... I know that they will absolutely 100% have a completely different college experience than I did. And I feel like we're at a crossroads right now um, with that, where we're just trying to figure a lot of that out. So can you speak to that? Like, how is that shifted? How is it changing? Uh, and what's good and bad about it? Well, I think one thing that's, sh that's shifting is, is, uh, students are now looking at the educational spirit experience, not necessarily college experience, but educational experience. How do I, uh, you know, discover exactly what it is that I sense that I want to do, I want to become, uh, I'm good at, I'm gifted at, and then how do I discover how to educate that? So I think there's, 
a lot of has changed in the fact that it's not, you know, no longer, oh, I must go to college to make sure that that I have this degree so I can, you know, I have qualification to get in the workforce. I think the way the workforce is changing is, is are you identifying what you are good at, getting education for that, and then stepping into a workforce that celebrates that. Right. So, um, you're seeing that shift. So for example, it wasn't uh, long ago, uh, the head of Apple, uh, Tim Cook was, was having a, a conversation about this very issue. And he was saying, you know, a lot of the successful people in, in my organization never even had a college degree, but they needed education. Right. And, and, you know, and, and of course, in their case, he was talking about, you know, and, and he went on to talk about, you know, we need coding schools and, and all these things to help solidify what someone is good at so they can step into that role and, and make a significant contribution to the workforce. And I think that's what we're seeing that, that more students are being intentional in choosing the way they receive education Rather than saying, oh, it's got to be done a certain way, um, I've got to go to a certain type of college, um, and, and that's how you know, I'm going to be able to be successful. So we're seeing that shift. Then I think a second shift that we're seeing is, is what's on the national conversation right now, and that's accessibility and, most importantly, affordability. And, and how do we navigate that educational journey in, in which it gives us access at all levels, but also affordable so that we can hopefully navigate our educational experience in an affordable, debt-free way. And I think that's what we're seeing um, uh, take shape in, in the way universities are addressing education, or at least they should be addressing education if they want to be uh, a surviving institution, or they want to be a growing, healthy institution. So those are, so they're, those are the shifts that we're seeing take place in, in higher ed. Very cool. All right. Uh, now I'm going to dive into uh, our, our five questions, or at least begin to. And that is, the, the first question is, who are you presently learning from? Well, I, I, I learn well. There's there's voices that I tend to build into my daily discipline that I like to to uh, listen to and hear, and and one that I've always a voice that I, I enjoy, you know, grabbing hold of of wisdom and advice, and that's Michael Hyatt. Uh, his Lead to Win podcast is is definitely a, a thing that I, I listen to. It's been a great help to me to think through even the little things of how you navigate leadership. One of the things that I think we both have in common. Um, we love routine and discipline. Um, and, and that's important if you want to achieve, um, and really fulfill your destiny as a leader, you're going to have to be disciplined. For example, discipline and self-awareness, discipline and self-management, things that help you to understand what's going on in your life, who you are, how you're growing, how you're navigating, you know, your passions, your gifts, your experiences, good, bad, difficult, so that it speaks to, you know, where you need to go as a leader and how you need to invest yourself and, and how you need to innovate and create. So, I, he provides a lot of that kind of wisdom, so I, I love to to uh, listen to his voice. Uh, big fan of Kerry Newhoff and and love uh, love his voice and how he's speaking into a lot of uh, leaders' lives. Um, uh, also, a, a fan of Paul Sohn. Um, he writes the 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 Cara blog, and he focuses a lot on millennials, but right. focusing on again 
discovering, um, you know, self uh, identity, understanding design, understanding how how you're wired, so that you can under when you understand that it it helps you to navigate, um, you know, what's ahead and and how to best. Um, provide resource, education, mentoring, those kinds of things that will take you to a place you've never been before. So those are the kinds of voices I like to listen to. Um, I, I tell you, another thing is I, I seek a lot of mentoring wisdom from the team that I've had the privilege to build. I want to learn from them just as much as I, I hope they'll learn from me and guiding them and directing them. And so we actually build in mentoring uh, times together with with our leadership team that we can really listen to each other, learn from each other. What are our new insights that you're, you know, you're learning and how can, you know, so it's, it, that, those are the kinds of things that I like to do to gain um, voice to help me to really continue to grow uh, and learn and keep my, uh, keep my life steady in, uh, in what's next. Good deal. Now, uh, What's interesting to me, you know, I recently had a, a conversation with Steve Graves. I don't know if you know Steve. I think he, I, I think he knows uh, Justin Lathrop, who's one of your guys. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, on our team. But um, you mentioned Paul Song, and so uh, Paul's Paul's a friend of mine, and it's really interesting. What we were talking about in that conversation was about uh, this younger uh, millennial um, generation who is approaching calling somewhat differently because you had Paul who was by every stretch uh, of the imagination, very successful from a business uh, standpoint early on in his career. Uh, his dad is super successful in business and, you know, he had all these reasons to kind of stay in that vein. Uh, and yet he has, he has somehow found a, almost a middle ground between what we would traditionally look at as a, a ministry calling in a, in a local church and business. And a lot of that is really helping people, you know, discover, um, I guess their, their personal calling, uh, who God's created them to be and then living that out, uh, either, you know, in the workplace or, or at a church, but mostly in the workplace because that's part of his journey and part of his experience. So I love that you mentioned him. Yeah, no, it's um, yeah. Uh, he he's a powerful writer and definitely hitting um, the issues that millennials think about and focus on as it relates to, especially experiences in their life that uh, bring to the surface, you know, really what they sense could be that divine call on their lives. And uh, so I love to read. Uh, uh, him and, and what he writes and, and the things that he uh, brings in terms of of solid understanding and awareness to what this generation looks at and is concerned about. Good deal. All right. Well, uh, let's move to our second question. What's the the main point of emphasis that you have in in leading your team right now? Well, you know, we operate and and thus the book that I wrote, Framework Leadership. We operate as a team. In, in framework leadership, we have six frameworks that guide every decision uh, that we make for our organization. And, and for us, you know, a frame framework is simply a system of stewardship. A framework gives us kind of that, um, you know, map to the unknown because as, 
as a team and as leaders, we're constantly, if we're going to grow, we're going to places that we've never been before. So we have to have a system in place, a framework in place that helps us to do that. One of our frameworks that uh, is extremely important to us as a university is our urgent framework, which will always focus on five issues that we have to face as a university. Enrollment, because we are an enrollment-driven uh, institution as a private liberal arts university, uh, and, and that's important. We have to focus on governance. We have to focus on systems. We have to focus on culture uh, and, of course, on uh, what can make us stable and able to be healthy along with that growth. And one of the things that we're definitely working on right now um, with, with our leadership team is this whole issue of system development, mm -hmm. making sure our systems are growing with us. Um, because if, you know, you can be growing, but you may not be healthy in that growth. And to me, um, as a leader, what I think significantly helps to bring health along with the growth is, is your systems. And so we've been Great working brother. on systems, especially, um, yeah, especially, especially with where we are at right now. I mean, we've had rapid growth. Our, our current team inherited the leadership of, of Southeastern University back in 2011. We started creating new paradigms, if you will, of, of how to do education. Um, and, and that started to create a lot of growth for us. In, in 2011, we were at a little over 2,400 students. And this past fall, our enrollment was uh, right at almost 10,000 students. So we've had significant growth, but I, I can tell you that some of our systems are not uh, where they need to be. So um, we're really working hard at, at, at especially looking at technology, making sure um, our technology is where it needs to be and, and do those systems where we can truly communicate with each other on all levels of the organization. Um, and, and so we're, we're working hard at that. Um, and, uh, one of the, for example, one of the system issues that we're now processing is, is, you know, with a lot, a much larger pool of app applicants than we've ever processed before. We now need to make sure that we have invested in a strong CRM program software that's going to help us with these issues, with these challenges so that we can handle the level of, of uh, you know, enrollment growth that, that we're having. So those are kinds of things that we're working on now. Um, and, and, and the other thing that we work constantly on is what I call new, gr new curve growth. Uh, in fact, we have uh, once a year a new curve re retreat. We believe in the sigmoid curve of growth and health. And if you aren't constantly monitor monitoring that, um, you know, inflection point where if you don't start a new curve, uh, you better watch out. Plateau's coming. And, and, and if you start reaching plateau, it's not going to be long after that. And you're going to start a decline. So we are constantly, what are the new curves? What are we hearing? What are we listening? What's the context say? Um, how are we shaping uh, and communicating our, you know, our goals? How are we aligning? And, and all of that's going to flow out of new curves. So we actually have a new curve retreat where we, we really um, reflect, evaluate, and then we walk out of that with, man, these are going to be the new, you know, three to four year, you know, four curves that we're going to do this next year. And uh, so those are the kinds of things that we're focusing on uh, as a leadership team. Right uh, now. You know, one of the things that, uh, that, 
so we do uh, leadership pipeline, which it means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, but it's a very systematic approach. And so it's really born out of McKinsey as much as it is Ram Charan or Noel Teachy or anybody else. And sure. So um, yeah. I'm basically walking people through um, different phases of implementation through story, strategy, structure, systems. Uh, and then there's a couple more S's there. But the, the big thing that I have found is people think that systems are kind of agnostic or they don't really matter that much or, oh, I can just kind of push this, you know, over to the side or this will be easy. But I am telling you, systems are more ingrained in any culture and organization than you would ever imagine because systems have to do with people's day-to-day -day work and they can get on board with the story. They can get fired up. They can, they can embrace that strategy uh, and you may even do a little reorg. But if you start messing not only with the org chart, but if it actually affects my day-to-day -day work and my day-to-day -day, uh, interaction with different systems, whether that be, um, uh, well, you know what I mean when I'm saying system. Right. That yeah, absolutely. when the no, torches I, I, and pitchforks come out. Yeah. No, it, it, let me tell you, the bottom line is system. You, ha, you have to be a systems thinker. You have to see the big picture um, constantly. And, and that big picture is going to change. But if you have a system that helps you to understand what's going on in the big picture. So, so, so we look at it as a system provides a structure, a rationale, a method for moving an organization forward in the change process. Because change is going to be constant. Um, and, and you have to have something in place that helps you to create, um, you know, will help you with the destination to a place that's going to definitely, you've never been there or it's been unclear. And the only way you're going to get there is to have a system that helps you to think, innovate, create, design. The system stays the, the same in the sense of how you approach it, but you're going to constantly, as you, as you think through, as you, so for example, we have a system, a four function system. If, if this is how we create new innovation for us, the system is simply this. We take the time to listen. We actually do listening exercises. Um, you, you, you know, you, you're never going to reach a new destination. You're never going to reach a new level in growth or, or health of an organization uh, unless you, you know where you are what's going on, what's the climate, what's the culture. You have to listen. And I always, uh, we always like to use the approach of the appreciative inquiry approach. And, and you may be familiar with that, but it's always approaching it in a positive dreaming way. Rather than saying what's wrong with our organization, what's wrong with, with uh, what's happening, it's what's good happening? What's great happening? Uh, what are the, the, you know, if I could dream about where we can go because of what we have here. And when you start approaching that and you listen, wow, you begin to discover things that help you to know the potential of what you can do and accomplish. And, and so listening is huge. Uh, then we, we audit the context, what's going on, what are, you know, what are the challenges, the competition, the limitations, the resources, the people, the circumstances, because that's constantly shifting and changing. So if you're not auditing the context, you're not going to know what to do. And then the third thing is clarifying. We're constantly having that communication feedback. It's making sure that what we think is happening, they can they communicate that back to us. 
um, and there's clarity and then and then aligning the aligning the vision. Those four things, no matter what is going on in the change process, if you have that system in place, you're going to be able to create, innovate, design. I mean, it's going to take you to a whole new breakthrough level. And and that's what's so fun about <laughs> systems. They don't they don't restrict you. They actually <laughs> empower you. We have lost yeah, 80% so, of the people yeah, listening that, right now, but I am totally with you. I'm ready to <laughs> pray right now. Uh, but I, I, yeah. <laughs> no, no, you can tell I'm pretty I, passionate about systems. We can start nerding sure. out, man. I can. Uh, <laughs> there's, a, there's a couple of books that I would, I may recommend to you off air. If I recommend them on air, I'll lose all credibility. Because people will be like, I bought that book and it was like a textbook. I hate it. Yeah. Uh, there's a couple that I that I really like. I de- I dove deep into systems uh, last year and everything I could find on systems thinking, um, in particular in theory, uh, I just devoured. Which is why. Yeah, no, it's 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 a powerful right. tool. Um, let's move to our third question then, and that is, other than the spiritual disciplines, what are a couple of things you have to do? on a daily basis to, to stay sharp as a leader? Well, for me, I, I can tell you right now, it's physical, it's physical wellness. It's, it's one of the top things that I do to bring, if I'm going to bring my best self to the context every day, I've got to physically, uh, if I'm not healthy physically, everything else is going to suffer. And, and, and how, you know, I mean, how we care and feed our body has a direct cor- correlation to our mood, <laughs> to, uh, um, I think our energy, to our creativity. Um, and, and so taking care of my health, uh, I will be honest, wasn't always the most important thing to me many years ago, but, uh, about 20, 20, Five years ago, I was diagnosed with uh, type two diabetes, and and it was my blood sugar was uh, at a, a, a all time high that was pretty unbelievable. In fact, the doctor said, "I'm surprised you haven't had a stroke because of of the level of uh, you know sugar and 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 he just said if you don't drastically do, you are on the road to death." And he said, "But I I think you're at a point in your life." If you will become disciplined every single day, physically, and exercise, and and you approach life that way, and then you you look at your your diet, you can control this actually without uh, you know insulin. You are probably at a level that we could catch that. And sure enough, I started from that day, and and every day since I'm I'm at the gym every morning about five thirty. I do weights, I do cardio, and um, I just had my last A one C about a month ago, and I was uh, as though I don't have type two diabetes. My numbers are that low now, and it's simply because I have been disciplined in my physical life and in my diet. And that is extremely important to me. And then of course, you just see the benefits of that um, in how you, you know, just tackle every day because of, of being healthy and strong and, and vibrant. And so uh, that's an absolute must for me. And, uh, and I don't think I could be the leader I am. That's really that interesting in my life. because uh, recently it was either a podcast or an article and I cannot remember which one, but it was basically studying um, type two diabetes in particular because you know it's it's 
there's a lot of mystery that's still there because it's kind of half genetic and uh, half, you know, a response to uh, your eating, you know, what you eat and, and, and all those different types of things. So I wonder what, what you would say, looking back on the last 20 years, how has that affected you as a leader? I mean, you know, what, what learning, I guess, has been applied or is that, is discipline, has that discipline spilled over to other areas of your life? How would you Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, and, and I write about it in, in the nine disciplines of enduring leadership. Uh, it, 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 it spills over into holistic self-management. Um, what I do with, with diet and, 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 uh, you know, our, my physical routine every day in terms of fitness, um, it ha- the same thing has to happen in, in, in my spirituality, has to happen in in relationships. Ha, has to happen. It, it's a it's it's a holistic approach to how you manage your life. And if you will address every aspect—mental, physical, spiritual—all um, the elements that make holistically who you are. I mean, wow your your life is going to be uh, on the edge of of what God really wants you to do and accomplish because you're, you're at that level, you're reaching um, the point in those areas that keep you fresh, keep you strong, keep you alert, keep you alive in, in what's happening day by day. So you, absolutely the, the one element of the, the fitness definitely spilled over into my life and and self-management is an extremely important, and we actually teach that um, uh, to our, we have a course called SE 101, and we go deep into self-awareness and self-management. If you can tackle those two things, wow, um, you're going to be way ahead of the game in terms of understanding what you're called to do, uh, understanding discernment in making the right choices, the right decisions. I mean, all those things bring foundation to who you are well, and who it, you'll become. It really is interesting because if you think back uh, that far, your life could be completely different had you responded differently. If you rolled over and just said, oh, this it is what it is. Um, just And I would... The reason why I asked that follow-up question and the reason why I'm trying to, to bring clarity to where I was going with that now is as leaders, there are a number of different things that we feel like happened to us. Um, and I really do think that 20 years from now, uh, you may have a completely different life and a completely different trajectory as a leader because of how you responded today to something that happened to you um, versus something that, you know, you're like, well, I didn't, I didn't do this. It's kind of just, this has happened to me. And, and how you respond is, is so. Yeah. And I, and I, and I, yeah. And I am a firm believer that when you self-manage and you're self-aware, you won't miss opportunities and I think people that are not disciplined in their life and they don't allow the, 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 the things that, that the, the things that they can't control, 
um, or the the circumstances that come in their life that are difficulties and challenge. Um, if you don't learn from those and change and create, then I think ultimately you miss great opportunities that that may have been there that God may have had for you, but you didn't take the time to reflect. You didn't take the time to learn. You didn't take the t- time to apply. And I will tell you, I had an example. So when I was diagnosed with diabetes, um, uh, you know, it was a it was an inherited thing. My father had it, but you see, my father collapsed of a massive heart attack at the age of 43. So I had that as a reference point when I gained um, the knowledge that now I have diabetes. He had severe diabetes to the fact where he had insulin. So from learning from that and then realizing now I have it that I have to change or exactly what happened to my father is exactly what's going to happen to me was motivation to make a change that then affected every other area in my life. Every church must be equipped to respond well in the initial stages when learning about instances of sexual, physical, or emotional abuse. And that's why the Southern Baptist Convention, Lifeway, and ERLC partnered together to create Becoming a Church That Cares Well for the Abused. This training curriculum consists of a handbook, 13 uh, enhanced video sessions that brings together top experts from various fields to help volunteers and leaders understand and implement the best practices for handling a variety of abuse scenarios at church, school, or in your ministry. You can access these videos and this training and this book all for free at churchcares.com. Okay, let's move on to question four, and that is, what does leadership in your home look like? Well, what's important for me there is 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 again, it's it's about discipline and routine. Um, I mean, as leaders, you know, we're constantly making hundreds of decisions almost every day that that definitely lead to, you know fatigue and and can lead to stress in many ways but that's why there's no shame for me in doing the same thing over and over again especially at home so i'm i'm up every morning grabbing coffee again going to work out when i get home my wife and i actually schedule we make sure we have dinner together um we we uh we our usual routine is to um have dinner then we go walking and and we actually unpack our days and that is a routine every single day. And to, to us, that brings vitality, that brings life, that brings learning, that brings uh, a lot of elements to our home that keeps us strong and, and healthy. And we did that with the kids when, when the kids were at home and, and now they're all grown and out and, and, uh, and working. And so and not at home. So, but we did the same thing. We built the routine in that this is what we do as a family. These are the things that, you know, uh, we're going to make sure that are always a priority. So, so for me, discipline and a routine again is extremely important um, on a day by day basis in, in, in our home. What would you, uh, what would you tell your 20 year old self about preparing to lead? 
Well, I would, uh, the thing that uh, I think about constantly, especially when I was younger, is always be others oriented in everything you do. If you could learn that early, if you could understand that um, as you navigate what you do in life, ultimately it's about how you relationally connect with others. And if you will always have their perspective in mind, wow, what then can be accomplished from conflict management to new direction to guiding change um, makes makes it so much easier, so much, you know, it's more simple in the way you approach your leadership. And so I think if I was you know, sitting down and saying to myself, you know, when I was at that age, man, everything you do, always be others oriented, might have helped me a lot, especially in the early days of leadership. Um, because, uh, you know, when we're younger, we, we think we know pretty much everything <laughs> and, uh, and we don't know anything. And so uh, it's, it's, it, you learn, you grow over time, but it always comes from people who invest in you, comes from, the relational connections that guide you the right way. And if you will always be very careful to be others oriented, you're going to be way ahead of the game. Can you talk about any of those, uh, any of those relationships that, you know? Yeah. I, I will tell you one, when, when I was in high school, my pastor, um, uh, was, and, and, and I was in Bakersfield, California. Um, we attended, uh, first assembly of God in Bakersfield. Pastor Fred Cottrell was the pastor. Uh, and, and at that time, this was, this would have been in the, um, um, when I was in high school in mid seven, uh, mid seventies. And, and it was a pretty large church at that time, definitely over a thousand. And at that time, that's a pretty significant sized church. And so I, I know he's a busy person, uh, but, I remember him taking time and saying, Ken, I've watched your life and, and I see gifts in you. I see leadership in you. And, and I'd love to have an opportunity to be a, a mentor to you. And he said, let's, here's what I'd love to do. And he, and he said, well, I can get with your parents, but man, I, maybe one day a week we can, we could, uh, you know, have an hour together or something. And, and so he literally started mentoring me. He he would take me on hospital calls and visitations. He showed me how he prepared messages. He he showed me how he created um, agendas for board meetings. And I mean, and I'm a high school student and I love that kind of stuff. Um, and, and he, even at that age, but the fact that he took time to say, I recognize something in you and that uh, I I want to empower you and encourage. He was that kind of person, and he was the first person that actually talked to me about um, uh, really the fact that you need to discover the way God created you. He said, you know, uh, and and he always would go back to Ephesians two ten, and and he would say, don't forget. You are God's masterpiece. He said, God made you. He designed you. He brought you into this world for a purpose. And you need to know what that is. And it's something that if you're connected in Christ, it, you're going to understand that because he's the one that created you. And then you're going to have a, a an amazing future when you begin to discover that. And so he literally taught me how to 
he taught me how to reflect. And I've always built that into my life every day, reflecting on experiences, you know, um, the good things that happen to you, the difficult things that happen to you, the spiritual things that happen to you. Take time to really reflect on those. And so that was a, a, a person that had absolute uh, made a, he absolutely made a difference in my life. In fact, later on, when my first career was in television and was a television sports anchor, did that for about 10 years before I went into ministry leadership. But I remember going into ministry leadership and how many times I could go back to what he taught me, or I could even pick up the phone then and say, hey, what would you do here and this? And what, you know, I mean, he was just an amazing mentor, uh, mentoring voice in my life. And and I, I love the fact that when people recognize they see something in you and they're willing then to take time to invest, that's that's significant and that's huge. Yeah. And, you know, it's just a, a reminder that we all are who we are because of two or three men or women of God that um, that stepped out to or stepped up really to pour into us. And so just want to continue to encourage our listeners to uh, find those people uh, in your life to um, make that investment. If you see something in somebody, um, you know, be a part of calling that out in them. And, you know, in Absolutely. this day and age, I think it's, it's really difficult to can, you know, because we all know uh, controversies that are happening in the, the church right now and, you know, with sexual abuse and sexual abuse prevention and, you know, all these different things. And what, um, you know, I, I think that there will be some listeners that will be reluctant to say, oh, well, maybe, maybe I, that pastor could have done that in the seventies, the but he, but he can't do that today. Um, what would you say to that person? Yeah, and I mean, I understand. I understand that frame of mind and that mindset. But there are ways that you can be mentoring voices that create um, the right boundaries, um, that create the right system, if you will. That that gives voice to people, whether that's in um, the way you develop. Maybe, for example, you may not may not be able to do that one on one, but you can create a group. Right. Um, and so, so think of ways that you can still provide that kind of mentoring influence in a way that will understand boundaries, understand, you know, what we are, you know, facing in, in culture and, and, but yet still do the same dynamic. Um, again, it's, it's the philosophy or, or the conviction of it should never change. The method will right. always change. And so if you can figure out how to create the right method that allows you to be an influence or a mentoring voice, we need each other. There's no Absolutely. doubt about it. And, and we've got to create those opportunities and, and, you know, and look for ways to do that. Yeah. If you're listening to this and you have that desire uh, to invest in someone or you feel that tug and you're allowing that to be uh, that barrier, um, then I would just encourage you to put some type of system in place or, um, do, you know, find a group of people and do it in that environment, whatever you need to do, but don't let that, you know, don't let that pass by. Don't let that opportunity to invest in another generation, uh, pass by. 
Well, uh, I just want to say thank you so much for spending time uh, with me and our listeners. And uh, we will definitely have to get together and talk about systems more. uh, Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah, thanks, Todd. Appreciate it. (laughs) All right. Uh, If you'll stay on for for just a minute, I would love to uh, to chat for just a moment. Uh, And for those listening, if you stay on for just a moment, uh, you'll hear about some of the other great podcasts that are part of the Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. Um, But thanks most of all for listening to this one. And please hop on over to iTunes and leave a rating 